0: This episode of Replayable is brought to you by Floodgate Games, the creators of Skyrockets, Festivals of Fire. In Skyrockets, players take turns to play cards and flip the matching sand timers, which represent your fireworks, without letting any of them run out. Do all this while working together to advance along the countdown track to win. Skyrockets is a standalone game inspired by the hit game Kites, time to fly. A deluxe edition is available exclusively from Floodgate and includes acrylic tokens and premium card sleeves. Pre-order skyrockets today. Playable, where we go into depth on our favorite tabletop games that keep us coming back again and again. I'm the start player Todd, and today I'm joined by David and Paul. For our 22nd episode, we'll be discussing the modern classic Agricola. It was designed by Uwe Rosenberg and released by Lookout Games in 2007. Are you guys ready to reap what you have sown?
1: I've been milking and plowing so long. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we'll see how this goes. I'm so hungry. I had to beg for food for my dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Agricola is a strategic board game where
0: players become farmers striving for success. It is a cutthroat worker placement game, balancing resources and family growth. You will have to plow fields, build fences, raise livestock, and build improvements to cultivate a thriving farm with limited actions and ever-growing needs. It's hard to believe this game's been around for, what, 16, 17 years now.
1: Yeah. When you said you wanted to do this episode of the podcast, I was like, oh, my God, I've played Agricola like once in the last 10 years. I need to refamiliarize myself with this game. Right.
0: And it's interesting because it's the game that dethroned Puerto Rico as number one on Board Game Geek. But then in August of 2008, Agricola took that position. So obviously it was really popular back then. Paul, you were saying that you had to refamiliarize yourself. What has stood out to you about this game after being away from it for so long?
1: I have forgotten how to play well. Uh, It is very difficult, and I don't remember feeling it was difficult back when it was popular. So I think there's been a generational shift in board games, and this happens all the time, but in my mind, you know, Agricola more or less defined a generation of board gaming.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding that too, in the games that we've been playing recently is I always knew it was a tough game, but I don't remember it being this hard where I'm having, (laughs) I was saying we were playing last night and I was saying, I feel like it's way late in the game and I'm still scrambling to get my dinner on the table for my kids every harvest. Like I, (laughs) I feel like I used to have my feeding strategy set up and running by round two. And then it's just, you know, filling in the cracks as we go. But now like it's late in the game. I'm like, where am I going to get this food this time and it's i'm having a tough time when life. you say round two you mean the second harvest Dave? Yeah, stage yeah stage two. by the second harvest first harvest i'm you know picking up food where i can maybe fishing things like that but by second harvest i usually i like to have a plan in place so i know what i'm doing
1: whether you're uh vegan or
2: carnivorous meat,
1: uh, carnivore that's it Yeah, vegan
2: or carnivorous. Well, I think of it as uh, baking or ranching. Baking or ranching. Or some combo, but usually you choose one and and kind of lean more that way.
1: Yeah, so back to Todd's question, I think games today are very different. Board games are largely about efficiency, at least this style of board game, and that has not changed. But today, I think the efficiencies come from specialization, like economies of scale, whereas Agricola is the opposite of that. Agricola is basically saying, hey, the first thing you get of each type is worth more than every marginal addition you get after that. So it totally encourages you to spread out, diversify, and do a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring that up later, but you are absolutely right. And even unlike later games by Uwe Rosenberg, which encouraged you to specialize in something, there was just so many choices. This is, you should try to do a little of everything. And it
2: almost feels foreign in that respect. Well, it's almost kinesia ask in that aspect where you're only as strong as your weakest point well that's that was the kinesia bend on it but on this one yeah it's diminishing returns you know as you get more if you just go get a bunch of sheep they start to become less and less valuable for you so you're better off getting a little bit of everything than a lot of something right
1: i never thought of agricola like you're only as strong as your weakest point i'm gonna have to ponder that
2: (laughs) well it's it's not totally Kinesia-esque that way because Especially like in a four-player game, you might take a couple negatives. You know, maybe you didn't get a cattle or or something like that.
1: That's what happened to me last night. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. It's,
2: (laughs) It's only minus one in a kinesia game. It means your total overall score is minus one. (laughs) <laughs> you know, if it's doing Kinesia scoring. But in this case, it's not totally like the Thank Kinesia <laughs> Right, right.
0: So that's interesting because you mentioned it's only minus one if you don't have any cattle. That's another one of those phenomena that we have talked about on other games. The idea of focusing too much on avoiding a negative score when the repercussion of it is actually pretty low, right? If it's minus three points because I was unable to feed a family member, right? It's minus three points for... For every food token you lack
1: that you're short yeah
0: but it's only minus one if i don't have any cattle then it may not be worth it for me to build out the infrastructure for cattle if i'm only going to lose a point for not having
2: any i think that's accurate but i i don't think you can think of it as minus one because that first cattle gets you one point So it's a two-point differential. Right.
0: Yeah, that's true. But hey, it's still minus three for every food token, I'm sure. Yeah. So,
2: you know, (laughs) one
1: of the little tricks I do uh, when I'm playing is I think of Harvest as a way to score six points per person because every food I turn in is worth three points. That's
2: just a little trick I play in my brain. Right. The power of the food. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I've ever... Maybe the first few games I played, I took a begging card, but that's my number one priority. I don't care if I score zero, but I'm still not going to take, like, I'm going to feed my family. It's almost like a point of pride.
1: Yeah, so the first game I played after Todd told me we're going to do this episode, I think I took three begging cards. And I was like, what is happening? You know, the other thing that
0: I've been surprised, you know, as we have reacclimated ourselves to it's just what a brutal game it is. So, Paul, you mentioned how games have changed. One of the other ways in which they have changed is giving you other alternative methods of worker placement that are either a separate economy, so you don't run into a lot of competition for them. Like there are enough swim lanes for everybody, or there are other options that are equally as good or maybe 80% as good.
1: Like a duplication space,
0: right? (laughs) 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 in this game when you need wood to build fences or build an extra room and someone swoops in and grabs it before you needed it especially if you don't think that they needed it as badly it's just like a kick in the teeth and now you're sent scrambling i had gotten unaccustomed to that level of conflict in a game and it was actually refreshing
1: right you know i remember one of the very first articles serious articles i read about board game strategy was about Agricola, and it was basically talking about how the game forces you to evaluate your opportunity cost every single turn. And not only that, but if you want to play well to win, you also have to evaluate every other player's opportunity cost to accurately evaluate your own.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Todd and I, we were just talking about that. You were talking about clay in the game that we're playing now is you gotta you have to weigh that out. I, I could take the five clay or maybe I could get six clay next time or maybe somebody else would just yoink that clay before I get it. Exactly. Even though it doesn't look like you may you guys may
0: need it or be able to use it as well as I could right now you may still get it just because it's a lot of clay and it's there now
2: Yeah well that was the game we played last night we there was a spot with five clay in it no there were two spots with five clay in it <laughs> and I wanted to build an oven or whatever it is I was trying to do so Paul took five clay. And then there was another spot with five clay. I thought, well, Paul's got five. Greg had four or five or whatever he had. They, like, they looked like they had enough clay. So I went and did something else. The next turn, Paul took the other clay. So he's got 10 clay. He, like <laughs> built a throne of clay that he just sat on and taunted me. And I didn't have an onion and I had to feed my family mush. Well, I, I
1: saw that. I was like, I can renovate my house and then add on with a clay room. This is great. I know. <laughs> it was you guys are taking tested. all the wood, so I'm going to take all the clay. That's, that was my
2: thinking. <laughs> well, I hope it worked out well for you because it really hurt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you won the game, so I think it worked out all right. Yeah. That idea of picking up, you know, or at least having the opportunity to get what you want. Let's talk about that first player dilemma is it worth taking a slightly lesser action in order to capture it? And how important is it for you to capture that first player and and first opportunity to select on the next round?
1: I prioritize start player when I see something that's going to be good next round, but nobody wants now. Like early in the game, if somebody leaves the three wood, then I'll say, oh, start player means I can take it for six
2: or like we're playing in a board game arena game right now and there's one cattle sitting there and we just finished a harvest so whoever's going first has a shot to pick up two cows
0: yeah but the person with the start player doesn't have an empty pen to put them in so that's going to be a problem
2: for me oh yeah i i really (laughs) thought one
1: of you guys was going to take start player i haven't looked at the game but i i I assumed i would not be getting start player because of the two cattle
2: well, you're not getting start player, but you might be getting the two cattle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to evaluate my opportunity cost. That exactly. Time.
2: That's right. the game, right? But I, I think going, taking start player, isn't a total, usually a total of suboptimal move. Like you have some minor improvements that you want to get out. And that spot is start player and minor improvement. True. So it's not just going to start player, which would feel like a complete loss of tempo. But yeah, getting into that position it sets you up.
1: You know, that's an interesting point, because in our game last night, I only took start player one time because I hated every single improvement in my hand. <laughs> well, yeah,
2: but you were going right after Greg, who was just super in love with start player. So he kept yeah, snatching the, it back. So.
1: The left-right binding in the game. Like where you're yeah.
2: seated can
1: have a big effect on how well you do.
0: Right. So that's the other thing that I wanted to ask is, especially in a three-player game, is it okay just to be in second place?
1: Mm-hmm. It's good enough. Yeah, I think it doesn't matter in three-player. Four-player is when you always want to be second. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, three-player, I'm happy to go last the, the whole game, actually. And is that just because
0: there are enough spots to do things in three-player, it doesn't matter?
1: I, I feel like there is. I don't know. You, you want to take some opportune start players when it's going to give you a big advantage, like we talked about two cows or a whole bunch of resources. I remember 10 years ago never pursuing farming. I was always pursuing ranching. But I tried that a couple months ago, and, and I just crashed and burned. So now I've just been doing the the planting every game, and it's been working out really well for me.
0: Probably because everyone else you've been playing with has been trying to ranch. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a group thing, right? <laughs>
0: Let's talk about the importance of food longevity then, because either one of them, right, whether you're talking about having enough animals that can breed or you've got enough fields sown that uh, you can have a surplus of produce that you can later re-sow and be able to harvest, any one of those creates a food source that is going to last a while. What's the importance of that? How how much do you prioritize coming up with a renewable food source or at least a refreshable one?
1: Well, if you think of... Each food that you feed a person as being worth three points, I think it's priority number one. It's the whole reason I play is to find the food and find an efficient way to get the food, which baking bread is far and away the best way to generate food. But there's only one or possibly two ways to do that, depending
2: on the number of players. So you could get blocked every single time. Right. Well, that constant burden of feeding your family. I mean, that's to me the crux of the game. It's player versus player. I'm trying to beat you guys, but it's also player versus game where the entire game I've got a hungry toddler tugging at my leg, you know, the whole time. (laughs) It's like I'm I'm trying to get things up and running, but we got to stop every once in a while. And like I got to come up with this other economy, like work on this other food economy that I've got going. Your usually your cards, your your minor improvements and your occupations at the beginning of the game. As you parse through those, those start to point you in the direction of how you're going to be doing this. If you've got the baker, or if you've got what is it, the farmhand, or who helps you build defenses, or you've got cards that's going to help you focus on one or the other, that certainly helps. And then. Hopefully the other players will start to fall into line where not everybody's trying to do the same thing you're trying to do. And in that case, then maybe you'd better take that start player. Right.
1: Yeah, that makes me think about how you have to do everything anyway. So what the cards are actually doing is they're they're saving you actions. Yes. Yes. Right. And there's another way to save actions. And that would be a very friendly, like collusive table where you just all plan out, okay, nobody take the Grove, except uh, player one can take it on turn four, player two can take it on turn eight, and then player three can take it on turn 12. And so everybody, if they collude, would maximize what they got, but that's not how (laughs) we play. Who are you talking to?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is us, we don't do that.
1: (laughs) it, It just, it makes me realize how deep and psychological the game is, you know, that's almost like a prisoner dilemma there where do you cooperate or not?
2: There's enough resources for all of us to build our farms and get everything we need if we all just do it in order, like Paul's saying, and play nice.
1: Yeah, everybody could like score 60
2: points if we all did that. (laughs) Yeah, but if there's six Reed sitting there, and I don't really have a plan for Reed, but I know Todd needs it, I'll just take it. I'll figure out (laughs) a use for it later, (laughs) just in case. That is how I play, yeah. The tragedy of the commons. It's, you know, there's enough in this farm to feed everybody as long as everybody takes only what they need. As soon as somebody takes too much, now we've got a problem.
1: It's not that it's too much. What I'm saying is they're taking it too early. Yes, Oh, yeah. Because of the automatic resource growth, we could be super efficient with our actions if we colluded, but we don't play that way. (laughs) But then someone goes and takes 10 clay. (laughs) (laughs) Mea culpa.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) This game is supposed to be set in Central Europe in 1670. Let's assume living conditions weren't all that robust, and it's understandable why your priority is feeding. Is there a plot to this
2: game? Does it generate a narrative? Do you feel like it does? They tell you right up front. I don't know when you were reading your intro in the beginning. Did you talk about the subtitle? It's Agricola, the 17th century not an easy time for farming
1: <laughs> <laughs> i did not know that that's what
2: it, i i that i saw it when i was reading the second edition rules and i thought there's no way my first edition rules say that so i went back and read it and sure enough it's there it's not on the box but it's on the rules
1: oh okay
2: I, i'm looking at my box right now thank you yeah not an easy time for farming they told you front, this <laughs> uh, is not an easy game Although, I mean, it makes me wonder when was an easy time for farming. Like, wow, 14th century, that game's for beginners.
0: Right. I don't know. 21st century seems to be pretty darn good. You know, you've got automated driving combines and you just sit back and, you know, watch your fields get plowed on your app. The time of the dwarves was an easy time. (laughs) And if you don't have anything to do, just go adventuring. Right. Exactly. So, of course, we're talking about Caverna, which is derived from this or re-implements Agricola. Do we want to spend any time talking about the similarities or the differences between the two? Yeah, I
1: want to say that when Caverna came out, I hated it. I'm like, this is Agricola on training wheels. That's what I would tell people. <laughs> <laughs> it makes things too easy. There's always a backup every turn. Right. You can't be blocked by your opponents. Not really. But today, I enjoy Coverta much more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. And talking about things that have been released, I didn't realize this. I was reading an article and it said that over 1,000 cards have been released for this game. Oh my God amongst all of the different expansions.
2: There's the extra decks which can run anywhere from 80 to 160 cards, right around in that range. But there's also some, aren't there just over the years, some, I don't know what you would call them. Promos? Uh, bespoke decks or well, decks that are specific to where you might have famous designers in the deck or famous celebrities from the board game world or something like that where they're almost like novelty decks and not necessarily improvements on the game.
0: There are novelty decks and then even going back like 2008 they started releasing geography specific decks. Like there's right. the ö with an umlaut deck for Austria or there's the cz deck for the Czech Republic and right. they've just made lots of those that get you into the cultures that were specific to a region, which is pretty cool if you want to Explore those.
2: I seem to remember the Z Deck was from when Z-Man Games got the license to do the North American port of the game. So they then came the Z Deck. Yes. Well, those cards
1: you're talking about, Todd, I think they're the answer to the question you had about plot or narrative. The game without cards, I would say absolutely not. But once you introduce the cards, they have this resonance, (laughs) as we talked about in the Dominion podcast, where you say, oh, yes, I recognize this object or this occupation. And that's awesome that it does this in the game, which aligns with how I would imagine it. But does it
0: generate a lasting narrative? And I, I'm gonna say this again, because this is one of the, honestly, this is one of the critiques that I have for the game. Mm-hmm. Is like, when we're done, no one goes back and says, Hey, remember that time I grew a carrot? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a compelling event.
1: No, uh, you know, there can be compelling events. Like, remember that time I built that six-room mansion? But right. those are few and far between.
2: Right. I Yeah, well, that's because I think this game, the destination's always the same. You always end up in the same place. M- maybe... Further down the street, or you know, not as far down the street as the last time, but you're always going to the same place. The really the story is how you got there. That I had this huge pig farm, or I had, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, I think the stories you tell after a game of Agricola are like, remember that time I screwed you over by taking the clay? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Remember that time I made you go begging on the streets? That's, that's the story right. you tell. Right.
0: Okay. I'll buy that. So then, Paul, you had mentioned there was someone who optimized the
1: single player game
0: by building or improving in an unusual way.
1: Do you remember what that was? I did not find the article, but yes, th- this was, you know, 12 years ago or so. There was a challenge on if. You pick a perfect hand of 14 cards, and you play the solo game. What is the maximum possible score? Okay. And I don't remember the specifics, but I think somebody got over 100 points by basically almost filling their board with stone rooms. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a palace that they built. <laughs> right? Right. Okay. That's hilarious. But when
0: we talk about upgrading, how important do you think it is to upgrading? Is it worth the time and
2: effort to upgrade your house to clay and then to stone? I think it depends on the cards you get. If you have the occupation and the minor improvements that are going to make that easy. I I feel like the last two times we played, Greg came up with the card that you can expand your house for only two of the resource or, or something like that. Yeah. I had that one. Two less than what you were supposed to pay. Yeah. So if you get a couple of those cards just right, and then maybe uh, the one that gives you stone or something like that, you may find yourself in a place where you just have a ton of stone and it's very easy for you to do do that or to decide, do you build five rooms and then upgrade to stone or do you build to stone and then start upgrading rooms of stone? And I think just the cards that you have dictate if you're going to go that direction because you are, it's opportunity cost. You're Probably not going to get there and have a full complement of animals, vegetables, and grain. But, you know, if you've got the cards to do it, it'll tell you, you know, that's how you got to get there.
1: Yeah, the the stone house is really hard. I always try to renovate to clay. Okay. Yeah. Because you're just turning zero points into three or four or five points. Right.
2: Well, but going to stone is turning three or four or five points into, what, six, eight, or ten points, right?
1: Yes, but the stone is much more difficult to accumulate.
2: Yeah, right. That's what I said. Unless you've got a card that's going to just put it in your lap, it's really hard to do. Right. Can we talk about the cards a little bit? Because Let's you, go. You make a list for our show notes of all the mechanisms in the game, which I, I think is funny that as the hobby grows, there's some interesting mechanisms in here. Like variable player powers, why I don't know why Agricola says it has variable player powers. I don't have that expansion, or I'm not sure where that comes from.
0: Well, it's probably your occupation and upgrade cards that you start with because that's unique to you, true,
2: yeah. Well, is it though? So that was the main thing I wanted to talk about is I think we got to talk about the cards. and in, in some ways, does Agricola have an almond ray problem? that all things being equal, the hand you're dealt is going to determine who wins the game. Yes, that's why most people prefer to draft the cards, right? Right. And we've been playing recently without drafting. Like last night we were playing, Greg just kept coming up with these amazing cards, and Paul and I are like, "Where? what is happening? Where are you getting these cards? <laughs> <laughs> like everything he plays is amazing. He did
1: have to do some day labor because he was yes.
2: spending so many actions playing cards out of
1: his hand. He
2: did not have his cards. And his cards weren't feeding him. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The first edition that I have, it gives you a few variants to kind of deal with that. Like a draft, Mm -hmm. there's a mulligan variant, there's draw 10, discard three, Mm -hmm. things like that. The second edition, I was reading through the second edition rules a little bit closely. There's an addendum booklet. And it has a bunch of variants for distributing the cards that are played by some other designers and kind of celebrities in in board gaming. So I saw one that looked great from Rudiger Dorn. It basically says, here's how Rudiger Dorn plays. So he had some options about how he does it. And so other designers are getting in the game and that it seems like this is a little bit of a problem in a good game and it does need a solution. And there's 10 solutions out there. And I don't know if which one is the best at this point. So
0: you would call these solutions or maybe technicalities and not uh,
2: house rules. <laughs> I would call them <laughs> well, I, I would call them official variants. <laughs> <laughs> the, even
1: the Rudger Dorn, I guess it was a house rule it's been upgraded. It's yeah, Rudger right?
2: Dorn's house rule but it's it's printed in the rules now. So now it's that elevates it. Got it. That makes it acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) So Dave, are you saying you feel like there should be one draft rule to rule them all? No, but I'm saying that when you sit down to play the game, and this will come up in house rules when we get that in the topics, but when you sit down to play the game, I think you need to have one of these variants in play, decide which one you're going to do that. I think just getting 14 cards and good luck i think there's just too much
1: yeah i actually agree with you like i remember people back in the day would mix the different decks together and then just play with what they were dealt and i i feel like the designer Uwe, he split these decks into small groups for balance reasons so you could deal them out and go yeah once you start mixing them together it's complete chaos you have to correct the chaos with drafting yeah
2: yeah absolutely
0: Let's move on to the prompts. So weight in complexity on board game geek scale of one to five. How would you rate the complexity
2: of Agricola? Dave, why don't you kick us off? You know, as much as we were saying how hard it is, I probably would give it a three. I, I might be a talked into it being a four, but you know, the rules overhead, it, it's not really that difficult. In fact, in a teach, you can just teach the new cards as they come out you just have, you know, give a general idea. But, you know, later as the cards come out and say, well, now here's how this is going to come into play. But for the most part, it's all straightforward. The iconography is good. It's very easy to get through a game and build some sort of farm. Where it is a little more difficult, I think, is going to come in the next category. (laughs) All right. Paul,
1: how about you? Yeah, I think it's your opponents that make the game so difficult. We played by accident <laughs> the family variant of this game and gosh it's easy and simple <laughs> So, right? the one without cards you mean exactly without cards so yeah i'm 100 percent agreeing with dave add the cards in it's a three
0: so with the cards it's a three and without it it's even lighter wow okay i had it down as a four for me this feels like it's a, a punishing game of trying to find the right synergies and that's Playing with the cards, so I would say, yeah, the family version is lighter. It might even be a two, but for me, I had it down as a four for weight. But let's talk about strategy. So how much opportunity is there for strategy and long-term planning? Same scale, one to five. Paul?
1: There is, especially with the cards in your hand, there's so much long-term planning you can do, and then you have to reevaluate every single time your opponent takes an action. So for me, the strategy is a four.
2: All right. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's, uh, you know, what we're all trying to do the same thing. It's very straightforward what you're trying to do. Here's a list of the 10 categories you need to get points in. But how you're going to get there, you have to kind of zig and zag along the way. But you have to, early in the game, get some ideas in place, mainly for subsistence, like we've been talking about, is getting your feeding plan in place. And and then while you start filling in everything else. So for sure, at least a four. At least a four.
0: Well, I'm the first to admit I am not good at this game and uh, I think already we're coming up with a difference in opinion because I had strategy down as a three and that was because yeah you need to have that strategy but it's so difficult sometimes when everyone else is getting in your way and taking things that you don't think that they are going to take or in a position to benefit from right now and that whole idea of pushing your luck In other words, letting a space go unclaimed because maybe there's another one that you think it's going to be more hotly contested. Strategy seems to give way to tactics and suddenly the strategy gets compromised and you're scrambling to catch up. So for me, I'd say it's a three. But I can understand and perhaps I just need to get better, right? Get good, kid. And strategy could be a four.
1: Yeah. You know, can we talk a little about that, Todd? Let's do it. So, that decision space of whether to take what you desire now or wait, is that more tactical or more strategic? To me, it feels tactical. Okay. If I take what I need now,
0: then I'm guaranteeing that I'll be able to get it. If I'm waiting, and it may not be just to get to another round to get more resources of that type, I mean, that's certainly a consideration. But there are a lot of times where it's like, well, I want to get this six wood, but darn it, there's also three reed out there. And I know I'm going to need the reed sooner or later. So do I take the reed while it's available, hoping that you guys don't need wood? Well,
1: yeah. So, you know, some early strategic thinking that I do in the game is, do I want to try and force my way into three plowed fields before the first harvest? Or do I want to try and build my house, a third room, crossing my fingers that an early family growth is going to come out after the harvest? Right. That's all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's what you try to do. Got it. I'll jot a note down here and try to do that myself.
2: Well, I think understanding the cards that are there, that the orders that they may come out, you have a long term or at least a mid range strategy in place. That I, I need to get some fields planted. I need to get a third room in my house. You know, when as soon as I can. So those sorts of things, and, and there's very specific steps you need to get there. So I'm going to need some wood. I'm going to need some rain, uh, reed. I'm going to need a family. It's not family growth anymore. I'm going to need to wish for children and those <laughs> kinds of things. So that strategy, that sort of at least mid and long-term thinking, like th- those steps are kind of laid out before you. And then tactically is how you have to kind of zig and zag as you go. And you got to jump on opportunities when they're there or sometimes take a suboptimal move to set you up for the next turn or something like that. But so I, it's, a, it's a nice balance of both, I think.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm glad we talked about it.
0: <laughs> then Luck. How much do you think luck plays a factor? And let's stick with the same scale of one to five. I'll go first for me. I think it's a two. I think that the influence of luck, there really isn't a lot of room. I mean, the randomness is what in the cards that you draft at the beginning or the order in which the action cards come out during each stage, you know, we could argue that you need to sometimes be lucky and that players leave something for you that you'd like, but I have it down as a two. What did you guys have?
1: I put a three, and I think my opinion has been colored by our recent plays where we have not been drafting. Right. <laughs> so the the combination of playing with the cards you're dealt and the seating order that you're dealt seemed right. like it had a lot of luck to it. That's why I gave it a three.
2: Yeah, I think it's a three just out the box, but as you put in drafting variants or some way to mitigate the cards, then it drops to a two. Yeah, I agree do we consider sitting to the right of a player who's like first happy to get that first player all the time is that luck or is that just knowing (laughs) your
1: players i think once you draft the seating order becomes less important yeah
0: got it okay theme how much do we think the theme has been integrated with this game
1: we talked about this a little bit. I think that it really resonates well and helps the player understand the meaning for everything and kind of just shortcut each action and what it does without having to spend a lot of rules or pages in the rulebook explaining it. But there's no real narration or <laughs> stories. So uh, I actually gave it a four, but after our our earlier talk, I'm wondering if that's too high. <laughs>
2: I don't know i've got it as a five i think it's a great theme and anytime the theme is informing the mechanics of the game or the other way around then that always bumps it up for me is that you know i'm i go i get a kid and the kid doesn't eat as much and then now our family's growing so we can do more work and getting some cows getting some pigs like it i think it all works together very well and yeah with the oh, mechanisms very well. That's
1: that's so true, Dave. I mean, you're just reminding me of all the modern games we play where people are constantly asking, What happens in this exact situation? And we're like, Oh, let's look it up in the rule book. Agricola doesn't have right. that. It's you you understand it out of the box.
2: Yeah. You can keep a cow as a pet in your house, but not two. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't, it'll wander off.
0: I mean that makes sense. Oh my gosh. It makes perfect sense. All right. So this past weekend we had a get together and one of my best friends after a few drinks was talking about how he wants to get a house cow. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Wait, is he an agricola player? No, no. He's like, look how cute this little cow is. It's just adorable. And I'm looking at it. It's a Highland cow. And I'm like, (laughs) dude, these things get to be like 1200 pounds. That's not a house pet. He's like, what? I mean, they don't stay the, the size? We're like, the... no, it doesn't stay a cute little calf. In... no,
2: <laughs> I thought the Highland cows are the ones that stay small.
0: I mean, we could look it up. We looked it
2: up, and no, they get so anywhere from one thousand to like thirteen hundred pounds. That's funny that you did that this weekend because I went to a birthday party, and the parting gifts that all the people got was a little keychain with a Highland cow on it. Oh, well, there what, you what's, go. What's with what's with that glitch in the matrix Highland cows? It's in the, in the water.
1: My wife sent me a a post about a Highland cow saying we need to get one for our backyard.
2: Oh, so they're a thing. They're
0: a thing. It's in the water. I, all right. I mean, you know how they have labradoodles and things like that. maybe these are cow doodles. I I have no idea.
2: (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. Before we move on from Paul, now Paul, don't you have a story recently where your wife asked if you had a game about farming? Am I misremembering this? Yes, my wife is on a homesteading kick and so she said,
1: "Let's play Agricola. It's been forever since we played it." And, <laughs> and so she was so, looking
2: for the theme.
1: Yeah, and we we played it and we sat side by side and I said, "Okay, let's let's have a friendly game so we can both do well." And by the end, she was like, "I remember why I hate this game." <laughs> 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 and, and, and she's she said she hates it because it left her feeling unfulfilled like she made all these plans and the game ended before she could
2: complete them Yep. Mm. well you should remind her the 17th century not an easy time for farming <laughs>
0: <laughs> so dave i think your score of five on theme is funny because you have like the first version of the game that has like cubes right uh you mean the best version yeah no i didn't say <laughs> that <laughs> I got the version, I think it was maybe the Z-Man Games first edition, where the cubes had been replaced with discs. And I even went online, I found this sticker sheet I could print out that had the little icons of the resources. I got a whole punch that made, you know, that it was the right size and I stickered all those discs. And then I hear that Lookout Games is releasing packs of veggie meeples and anime and, meeples. and this was like the first game that I actively tricked out, right? I went out of my way to get the extra nice. goodies and shapes and everything like that. So it's absolutely a five with all that other stuff. I was surprised <laughs> to hear you call it five with just cubes. That's, that's hardcore, man.
2: <laughs> this, is, I, this is the first game I remember the term anime coming because before this we had meeples Right. And we had cubes and discs, and that was it. That that was a train. That was a vegetable. That was everything you could get <laughs> a building. That's all you got: cubes and discs. Right? But I just love cubes. I find little cow shaped things and and sheep shaped things like super annoying. And there's some <laughs> fall over, some stand up, and whatever. Just give me the black and the brown cube, and I'm that's happy. true.
1: Cubes never fall over. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> down.
2: <laughs> exactly todd <laughs> yeah but i i think i'm weird that way people like anime pulls i get that and it's just i was so happy when we pulled my game out recently and i re- was reminded that i don't have little sheepies and you know even my <laughs> grain are little yellow discs they're not shaped like grain or pumpkins or anything yeah, it was pathetic. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: what's your favorite player account? What's the game best played at?
1: Uh, for me, it's four. I think four player
2: is the cream of the
1: crop. Yeah, I would agree with that.
2: Yeah, me too. Except four is a little long, but I think that's the game kind of out on the autobahn at its best. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's it's not just because of the number of players, but it's for me, it's also the actions that are available at the start of the game, which differ for player count. And I think the suite of four player actions is the best. And it also gives you access to some of the best uh, occupation cards as well.
0: Yeah. Well, that's because there's going to be more competition for spaces. So there needs Mm -hmm. to be more occupations that help you make up some tempos. So least favorite player count. This game says it plays from one to five. Yes.
2: The revised edition goes to five. Is that what it is? The revised edition goes to five. Correct. So what's your least favorite player count? Well, mine would be one or five. Uh, you know, tough call there. I mean, if you've got five, just dust off El Grande and play that. Like, don't don't play Agricolat five. There's no need. <laughs> and I'm not really interested in soloing it. Although this is one of the you know early games where you could play by yourself. Uh, you know, solo a game, and that's kind of nostalgic for that. I've done that a few times, but I've at this point I've got plenty of other games I'd rather play at one.
0: All right. I had two. I actually liked the solo game and I had played it a bit, although I seem to have forgotten everything I had once learned. For me, two player, you could play other games. I think when you get to three, it's not the zero sum problem of, okay, if I don't take it, you're going to. There's always that third person you have to think about. And I, I like adding that extra dynamicism to a game.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's actually a two player only Agricola variant, right? Well,
0: it's a standalone game,
1: A standalone game. Thank you. For me, it was hard to pick my least favorite player count, but I'm going to go with five player. Okay, I can't stand the downtime. Yeah,
2: yep. That's a good call out. When when this game first came out, I played a ton of two player and I I like the two player. I think it's still good. It's just not as good as you know, three and definitely not as good as four two player. You're going to max out a bunch of categories, um, right? And- you're,
1: I, you're not playing two-player, right? Then uh, two-player is a knife fight where you lose all your teeth. It's it's brutal. <laughs> if I you want to, to be,
0: yeah. Well, at least you stayed married by the end of it, so that was good.
1: <laughs> oh no, I, I told her up front we're we're going to collude to make the best farms as possible. <laughs> <laughs> So then what's the actual playing time? Boxes can lie.
0: And this one says it's anywhere from 30 to 150. So half an hour to two and a half hours.
2: What do you think? Well, So they're they're just doing the math out on 30 minutes per player. If they say 30 to 150. Yes, that is so, what they're doing. Yeah. Which is what I say. 30 minutes per player sounds about right. We were a little rusty playing recently. So I think we've, yeah, played we've a been bit taking slow. longer. And we're more well, like the, 45 minutes a player.
1: Yes. Yeah. At least this year. He <laughs> All right which edition is the
0: best when we talk about editions let's open this up because there's obviously the original and the revised they recently or not recently but they released a 15-year anniversary edition that's in this big hunkin box in 2022
2: but you have to buy the box separately Mm. i was i was looking at it today you can buy it in the big box and then there's a separate storage box that you can buy to put it in (laughs) oh for real yeah
0: yeah, I, I was looking at it recently. And it was like a hundred and some odd dollars. I assumed that was the box and the game both.
2: Oh, maybe that's what it is. And you can just buy the box by itself separately.
0: Right. If you have everything that goes into the box and you just want the storage solution. Right. That's probably closer to what it is. But then, of course, it's been re-implemented as Caverna. There are a lot of adjacent games. So which version of the game or potentially adjacent game do you like the best? Paul, we'll let you start since you...
1: Gosh, I don't really know the answer. Like... I own the Z-Man Games Edition. Right. With the cubes. But on BGA, I've been playing the revised edition a lot. I think I would pick the revised edition because they have balanced the cards and the decks of cards.
2: Right. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think that revised edition, it's been tuned up just enough. Though it's so close. I don't know why it has a separate entry on Board Game Geek. It's, I mean, it's. The cards are completely different. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I would say the revised edition, I think it's been polished over the years. Years and and really fine-tuned and, you know, be much tighter than it was when it first came out in 07.
1: And and I don't know if you noticed this, Dave, but the revised edition, the harvest actions, each round you go across, whereas our editions, you go from top to bottom. I don't know why they changed it like that.
2: Yeah, that's been disorienting me actually a little bit, but I, (laughs) I, I figured it out. Right. That's true. Yeah, I
0: would agree. I like the revised edition. I didn't check to see if there were any updates in Agricola 15, which is the 15. It's what they call the 15 year anniversary edition that was released in 22. It was not released in 2015. Mm-hmm. So that might be even better. I, I, I don't know. But I, I agree. I think the revised edition is the better one. And that's if I'm not playing Caverna. But we can save that for another pod.
1: <laughs> the revised edition has all of these expansions, which are just player color expansions. Okay. Did you know that? No. So you could buy a purple family
2: or a pink family or a cerulean uh, family. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. Your favorite player color. You can go find it. They're still wood, right? They're not plastic or minis or anything right <laughs> I, I, once they come out with minis i'm done with it
0: forever right there have been a lot of expansions most of them card based a couple of them have been component based like the goodies had those anime and veggie meeples and a lot of the initial expansion decks all in one box do you guys have any favorites you want to talk about
1: i have a least favorite <laughs> yeah let's hear it uh, I remember back when we used to play upstairs somebody right? brought UFO deck <laughs> the X deck oh the X the deck X thank deck. you. Yeah. And- it was, it was horrible. I mean, people were abducting other family members from other players. And <laughs> oh. I, I don't even remember what happened other than I just hated it. It was the one-night
2: ultimate alien version of it. Yes. Chaos. That's it, exactly. And yeah, yeah, no thanks.
0: There is an expansion called Farmers of the Moor that adds in horses.
1: Oh, and Pete...
0: And peak, exactly. Yeah, heat and illness. If you didn't have enough complexity to try to cram in there, you can add more.
1: Yeah, I remember
2: really liking that expansion, but I haven't played it in 10 years. I wonder what your (laughs) opinion of it would be now. I haven't played it, but I was reading through it. And to me, it just looks like more... Not to pun on the title, but it just... Oh, I've been totally punning on that title. Yeah. It just, it looks like it's adding things to the game without adding anything to the game, as we always say with expansions. It just looks like more going on that I don't think that I really need. It's hard enough farming in the 17th century.
1: Yep. My recollection is all it really did was dial up the weight and complexity. Hmm. Everything else stayed the same. All right. Most recognizable comparison.
0: What's the highest ranking game that reminds you of Agricola? I'm really interested to hear your answers to this. I think yeah, there's too. some opportunity for us to collide.
1: Yeah, I can't not say Caverna. I just I associate the two games so much with each other right i just recall being so frustrated when everybody told me caverna was a better agricola
2: (laughs) (laughs) and now uh, i'm eating crow (laughs) (laughs) how about you dave i'm gonna go uh off the deep end a little bit here and i'm gonna say 2018's Obsession, and okay, it, which is a very different kind of game, but the cards and Obsession they have a similar kind of feel when I'm going through, even though that's a deck builder. I'm going through my occupation and minor improvement cards when i'm planning out i got to play this one before i play this one and then i can play this one and mapping that out as the hand management of it so just planning my hand feels similar and then um there's some rounds where the stakes are a little different you know we've got a courtship versus a harvest or something like that but you still even though obsession's a more of a deck building game you still have to manage your workers and they kind of go through this cycle before you can use them again I think that's kind of interesting so i mean it doesn't map directly obviously but there are some similar feels
1: i I don't see it at all (laughs) (laughs) but uh i'll I'll bring up sessions so we can play again yeah (laughs) i think it's on the episode list
0: i'm going to go with a game that came out the year before and i'll say that i came up with this independently but then it's actually credited in the appendix by Uwe Rosenberg is being an inspiration for Agricola, and that's Kalis. Hmm. And it was because in Kalis, those initial starting tiles and actually mm-hmm. what gets built afterwards, they're all worker placement spots, but the order they come out with in is going to be variable. And the actions you're going to be able to take will depend on which tiles the players have built along the way. And I really like that idea, but it, it hasn't been implemented too many times. And so I first saw that in Kalis, and like I said, Uwe Rosenberg took inspiration from that. And so I think that led to what we see today with the cards going down and those being the action spaces for your worker placement.
2: Well, to be honest, Kalis was my first answer, but I saw your show notes. I saw you'd put Kalis in there. So I thought, well, I'll I'll let Todd (laughs) have Kalis. Did you really? Yeah, absolutely. Because of that, the building track where now there's more places we can go and now better stuff's coming that we can go and the board grows in front of us so that's not in the show notes you're now peeking in my prompts i'm gonna have to stop sharing those in the same folder well that's what it was i went to grab the prompts so to go through and fill them, i'm like wait this one's already filled out what kalis <laughs> so i got rid of that and i got my generic ones but that that does bring up a question so you said agricola dethroned puerto rico but didn't kalis ever hit number one i remember nope. the kalis hype was no, off I don't the think charts so. power grid wow. did but uh
1: not kalis
0: Okay. You know, you could have taken my backup game for that because that was also in there. That was Russian railroads. Oh, yeah. I thought about that for much of the same reason and that you have that one worker that's a a dynamically changing worker placement spot until they get hired and then it becomes your personal spot that you have. And that's, like I said, that idea hasn't been implemented too many times, I don't think. I, I actually really enjoy that dynamic worker placement spot. So less recognizable comparison. What did you guys have for that?
2: this was very difficult.
1: So I'm just going to call out uh, one of my favorite underrated worker placement games, which is Tribune. The full title is Tribune Primus Interparis. Yep, I looked at that one too. It's a worker placement game where you're collecting cards that represent factions as well as other resources, and then you can use those cards to try and gain control of a faction, and you're basically vying with everyone else to meet the victory condition, which there's some variance in the game, but usually it is to take over a certain number of factions and say,
2: I control Rome, basically. (laughs) Right? Yeah. All right. Dave, what did you have? I'm at a loss. I don't really have a solid answer. I mean, what I put, it does not match at all, but I'm going to say Space Station Phoenix in the sense that you're, you're placing workers it has this concept that i think we're seeing more and more recently of like the harvest i forget what it's called in space station phoenix it's like the income phase or something like that and lately or like the festival with Ono 1800 and lately when we see these it's interesting because they're elective it's like if kayla's had an elective festival time where like i'm gonna harvest my stuff now so i can get all my workers back obsession has that too yeah right also, we see it as Coffee Break in Arc Nova, which is not elective, but um, so it is a thing. I feel like I don't remember seeing it before Agricola, but I feel like we're seeing it more and more now. These little soft resets as the game goes on. Right. But I, I don't feel strong about the answer, but I'm going to say Space Station Phoenix. Just a chance to talk about it. It's a great game. There right. you go. Totally
0: legit. I like that one. I had fields of green, so it's farming, it's engine building, but it's not worker placement. You are laying out your tableau and where you put things matter as you're building out and creating synergies between cards and, hey, farms and veggie meeples. So it it even tactically feels like a superior version of Agricola over cubes. (laughs) Ooh. So today it's time for your favorite prompt, house rules.
2: Well, for house rules, I like I said earlier, my house rule is use one of the drafting variants. Those are official yeah. variants, not really a house rule, but the house rule is use a variant. <laughs>
0: yeah, fair. Paul, did you have anything to add on that one? Um,
1: no, I, I don't have any house rules for Agricola.
0: <laughs> okay, so if this game is being played at game night, what do you want to play afterwards? What's the best double
2: feature game that goes along with it? Well, we played the other night or last night and uh, we had a little chaser with it, which I thought I feel like a nice light filler goes well after this. We played a couple games that can't stop and I was kind of a, you know, it's more of a fun game. Uh, well, depending on how it goes for you, it's not always fun, I guess, but <laughs> it's, it's kind of a fun game, which is a good one kind of after a, a hard fought brain burner. And then after that, <laughs> Just I, I say keep keep it Uve and just how about some bonanza? Oh, there you go. You know okay. that I,
1: my favorite quote from that can't stop game was when Dave said, "Would you rather be last in can't stop or last in Agricola?" <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> because I I just got my butt kicked in Agricola, but I won can't stop. And then Greg was saying, "I'm last," and like, well, yeah. But- <laughs> Being last in Can't Stop is like, yeah, the dice didn't go your way. Big deal. Being last (laughs) in Agricola means that you just got destroyed.
0: (laughs) I went with a game that is by a designer you've already mentioned, Dave, and that's Rüdiger Dorn. So he has a game out there called My Farm Shop. So it's more farming. This is a lighter weight game. It even has the same idea of variable action spaces, but this one is so much lighter and action spaces get determined by rolling dice. And I think you, you roll three, you pick two and whatever they add up to be, it's gonna be the, the action that you take. And then you get to use the action that's on your board. And then the other players are gonna get a chance to use the actions on theirs. But it's much lighter weight, same theme. And a great designer. For whatever reason, this game just kind of slipped under the radar in 2020 and didn't get any buzz, but it's
2: it's a good one. I didn't know about that. I love Rüdiger Dorn. I'd love to play it. All right.
0: We will make that happen. Maybe we'll play it after Agricola.
2: What,
1: what was the name again? My Farm Shop. Oh, yeah. Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. So for me, if, if we're going to play one game from Uwe, why not play more than one? And my favorite game of his, at the same player count, as agricola is Nusfjord, okay which is about a, a fishing village and it has a harvest but instead of harvesting grain and breeding cattle you're just going fishing okay it takes about half the time as yeah. agricola
0: all right that's another great selection i like that one too we've played that one before two-player and mm-hmm. it's even good as a two-player game what feature of the game still stands out to you what's aged well about agricola
1: Uh, We already talked about this, and I'm surprised at how it encourages diversity. I don't see that. I can't think of another game that really does that as well as Agricola.
0: And by diversity, you just mean all the different actions that you can take. and
1: Diversification,
2: sorry. Right, got it. Because you're getting diminishing returns on the things, it's it's better to do a little bit of everything than a lot of something. Yeah, yeah. and I, I can't think of another game that does that. No, most games these days, you can like, well, I'm I'm just going to forget about this portion over here and really focus on this and, you know, get a high enough score to overcome what I'm missing over there.
0: Okay, I agree. That is a component of this game.
2: Absolutely. Dave, what did you have? Uh, For me, it's the feeding. I I really like that pressure that, like, the tax collector shows up every once in a while in the game and says, pay up, and you just that's always in the back of your mind that here it comes. I got to do It's Like the second economy that I have to manage to keep those plates spinning while I'm trying to accomplish the other things I'm trying to accomplish.
0: Okay. I had the variable setup nature of those worker locations. So the attribute that it shares with Kalis and uh, to a much lesser extent, Russian railroads, I just, I think that's a fantastic component of the game that I'd like to see more of. So cards Mm -hmm. as a variable worker placement locations
1: like are you saying that you like how you don't know what next turns new action is going to be yes excellent and how that change how that can change from game to game yeah i agree
0: so what feature of the game disappoints so what hasn't aged as well and i'm going to jump in here and just say paul the thing you liked is the thing i don't like about it so the diversification (laughs) of of activities like I enjoy exploring a game and recognizing, say, Great Western Trail and I'm going to do primarily a cowboy strategy and maybe back it up with engineers. Then there's another game out there I can play that's going to be focused more on builders with maybe a little bit of cowboys. In no way can I do all three of those effectively. And I didn't like going back to Agricola and trying to have to do a little bit of everything. But what did you have as the thing that hasn't aged
1: well, Paul? Did we lose him? No, no. I <laughs> I don't have anything, honestly. <laughs> the only thing that disappoints me about Agricola today is how bad I am at the game. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's almost exactly my answer it's i mean it's more my own shortcomings but if you can't get your engine off the ground it's a very frustrating experience it's very punishing it is but then again we love that in games i mean age of steam or princes of florence so you can paint yourself out of the game in the first two turns and you know that's it you're not coming back so we like that sort of thing but when you get yourself in a position in this game where you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're just begging for the sweet release of death you know (laughs) (laughs) It it can get very frustrating. Wow. (laughs) You know, and you're like, I can't in good conscience bring children into this dilapidated farmhouse and then make this five year old go out and tend the sheep. (laughs) That's true. That's very true,
0: Dave. Did this game replace a previous one?
1: For me, it did not. I recall that Agricola just created this new desire to play it. It was unlike anything before, at least. That's what most people thought.
2: Yeah, there definitely was so much buzz around this game. Yeah, it was literally, it replaced, because at the time I was playing a ton of Memoir 44 and 1960, The Making of the President. Like those two games were on constant replay, but then Agricola came out that was all I played. So it literally replaced those games, but not because it was doing anything the same that those Mm -hmm. games do. It was just, it was vying for all of my time. Right. For me, it replaced Kalis.
0: I know I've said it a couple of times already in other aspects, but I stopped playing Kalis when Agricola came out. And I'd like to go back and replay Kalis a couple of times. We seem to play it every five or six years, you know, break out a bottle of wine, play Kalis, but...
2: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) We'd like to revisit it. Kalis is in that same camp, though, where I feel like I used to be good at it. But then when we play it now, like, when did this game get so hard? Like, I feel like I had a plan and I was building at the castle and it worked out well and we play it now, I'm like, I can't get anything going. Like, why is this so hard for me? Right? I don't know. And yes, we used
0: to be good at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so has this game since been replaced? And if
2: so, by what?
1: Uh, we've already said it. Uh, Caverna replaced it for a lot of people.
2: Yep, that's fair. Well, I'm I'm not really there with it. I, I only played Caverna once and I, I didn't really like it, but maybe I didn't give it a fair shake. I didn't like in Caverna, the sea of buildings That with just everything's available to you. And I actually like the way Agricola kind of meets those out to you. Like, I only got to worry about these seven improvements and seven occupations in my hand. And my memory of Caverna is just a table full of improvements. Like, I got to read each and every one of these. I mean, with ten plays, maybe I would like it more, but... It, I found the barrier of entry kind of tough. Saying that just there's so much out there to kind of parse, right? But that was years ago too. I'm a different gamer now, so I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, my answer was years ago. If if we're talking about today, if I'm going to play a worker placement game, I'm going to choose Great Western Trail or Dune Imperium, and that was my response. So it was
0: not a. It was not a specific title but it was a game that's a combination deck builder worker placement game has captured my attention so if i'm going to have a worker placement game it's going to have a deck building aspect of it and it's going to be something like what you just said right it's going to be great western trail it's going to be dune imperium it's going to be lost ruins of arnak something like that
2: that's exactly what i put the card driven worker placement games
0: yep so then what music would you want to listen to while playing and dave i'll let you kick this one off
2: well, this one turned out to be a routine ground ball. You read me perfectly that you thought I was going to go to Vivaldi's <laughs> Four Seasons, which yep. I, that's where I started. And then I had to listen to it for a while. And there's a great version by uh, a composer named Max Richter who like recomposed it. I listened to that. Yeah, this doesn't quite fit like I thought it would. You know, the spring you would think would fit with the farming. What I think fits very, very well is there is a masterpiece TV show called All Creatures Great and Small. Which is what the title of the two-player version of Agricola comes from, all creatures big and small. And right. the soundtrack for that is by somebody named Alexandra Harwood. She has quite a few sound, or not? She has a few soundtracks, not not a lot. But they have that kind of dreamy, idyllic, kind of strolling through pastures feel. And and I thought it fit perfectly. All right, I want to listen to that, Paul. Did you have something?
1: You know, based on the air quotes theme of. 17th century farming, I will pick music by my favorite composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Okay. I did something similar, right? I looked at the era
0: that this was supposed to be set in, and you wind up with Baroque music, which falls in between, you know, Renaissance and classical and i listened to a bunch of it and it was actually a lot of fun to sample them and i'll just pick one i went with concerto grosso and g minor by archangelo corelli it had the right kind of somber tones you know no vocals so one of the things that you run into with baroque music is they were starting to experiment with opera and so suddenly you just get you know big loud voices coming in and that would be disconcerting during a game but that's the one i picked awesome and i, I look forward to listening to the soundtrack to what
2: was it dave all Creatures Great and Small. Just think of the two player version of Yeah, Agricola, based on the it's based on a book where the title comes from.
0: Right? So All Creatures Big and Small, that also focuses on the, the ranching aspect, right? I think it takes out the pl- the the plowing and harvesting.
1: Yes, there's no cooking of animals. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Okay. So rating on BGG's scale of 1 to 10 now. What would you rate Agricola?
1: My rating is eight.
2: All right. I currently have it rated on Board Game Geek as a nine, but that's, I put that rating in 15 years ago when I was just completely oh in God. love with this game. <laughs> I haven't updated it. So, uh, you know, now it's probably closer to a seven. I think if I got my sea legs back with another five to 10 plays, I, I could see it creeping back up to an eight. Right. It's funny. I'm right. I'm in
0: that same boat there, Mr. Sea Legs. I want to like the game, right? And, and give it an eight. However, for me, it's an exercise in anxiety, right? That <laughs> idea of, of clenching and waiting to see what you guys are going to take from me or if it's still going to, you know, if the spot I want is still going to be there. And I don't like that feeling. That's a feature. So it's a seven.
2: That's a feature, not a bug.
0: (laughs) So, And I agree with you. If we played it more and, and I got my sea legs back, I could see it moving back up to an eight. But Right now it's a seven. So is it replayable? And if so, how soon would you want to revisit this game?
1: Paul? It is definitely replayable. However, you need to play a lot to get value from it. It's not the kind of game you can pull out once a year and have fun, in my opinion. Totally
2: agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Play it five times this year or don't bother.
0: Well, and play it five times in close proximity to each other and then take a break. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Five times before the next harvest, right? (laughs) Wow. See, the theme works. It does.
0: (laughs) We could call that our our final harvest right there. Did you manage to save a carrot?
2: (laughs) I got a pet sheep. There you go. (laughs) Or a Highland Cow, apparently. This has been another one. It's really nice. We've done a couple of these podcasts where we dust off an old game, bring it back to the table and get a bunch of plays in and just kind of refamiliarize with like, wow, this, I missed this one. We haven't played this one in a while. So that, that's been one, one of the benefits here. I agree. It's been a
0: lot of fun to refamiliarize ourselves with Agricola. Uh, I think I'm ready to set it back on the shelf for a little while, but not another 10 years. That, that was... <laughs> I'm just getting my seed legs back. Let's let's play Monday. All right, let's do it. I'll bring my version and we can play with uh, all the fun components more. Do we need to start working on something else? Are you going to tease what's coming up next? You know, I don't even know what I've got set up. I think I think it's more animals for us next, isn't it? I I think so. Yeah, you could do, but I, I don't know. That was the tease. So now edit, yes. edit, edit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for staying up late tonight. I appreciate you being available. Have a good evening. Okay. yeah right, guys. Thank you for listening to Replayable. Support for our podcast comes from listeners like you. You can find us online at replayable.fm, on Twitter as replayable.fm, and on Instagram as replayable.fm. You can also join our team at patreon.com replayable. Thank you for your support. We welcome your feedback, which is the only way that we are going to get better. You can get in touch with us via email at feedback at replayable.fm. And if you're interested in sponsoring us, then please contact us at sponsors at replayable.fm. This episode of Replayable is brought to you by Floodgate Games, the makers of lasting games like Sagrada Artisans. Their motto is Creating Everlasting Experiences Through Gaming, and that idea resonates with us here at Replayable. As a group of friends who have been enjoying weekly game nights for over 15 years, we have many fun memories that were forged over the gaming table. Gaming is what brought us together and keeps us coming back again and again. Thank you to Floodgate Games, creating everlasting experiences through gaming.